there, and welcome to In My Words, Jumo's podcast series that brings the experiences of real patients directly to you. At Jumo, we provide resources for children and families to understand, manage, and own their health. Sign up for free at jumohealth.com. Hi, Christy here back in Sydney, Australia. For those who haven't listened to our previous episode, we're talking about spinal cord injuries and some pretty important topics related to them. Led by Dom, a former member of the Royal Australian Air Force with a C-5-6 spinal cord injury, today we'll get into health and lifestyle, what Dom's experience has been, and some helpful things to keep in mind. We'll also be hearing from Dr. Adrian Epps, Senior Staff Specialist and Head of Rehab to Kids at Sydney Children's Hospital Randwick, who shares some suggestions and insights from a doctor's perspective. One of the first words that comes to mind with a spinal cord injury is change. A particularly challenging aspect of this change can be adapting to the limitations the injury has caused. Struggling to do the things you once did can be challenging. We asked Dom what advice he might have for others coming to terms with the changes brought on by a spinal cord injury. When you come out of hospital and you go into the community, I believe it's really important to just realise that how you were eating in hospital and rehab may not be the same as how you're going to be eating in your home. So you need to identify early on that you need to eat healthily. You can't exercise as much as you once did, or you might exercise more depending on the level of your spinal cord injury. But you need to be really conscious about your health and your weight. You need to be able to, if you have nurses coming into your home, you need to be able to be confident in directing them with what you need to be doing. You need to be able to talk openly with the health professionals about the issues that you're having. And if you're having any you know, mental health issues, or if you're having problems with your bowels, or if you're having problems with your catheter, just talk with someone about it. Nothing is too embarrassing for health and professionals. They talk about these things all the time. Your lifestyle might be a little bit different to how it used to be. You're going to have to be a little bit more planned out and you're going to have to be a little bit more organized in life and probably a little bit more routine, but you can still have a great quality of life and you can still do a lot of things and you'll find the things that really uh, mean a lot to you and ways to entertain yourself. Uh, you just got to get through that early period of um, negativity. Having a spinal cord injury can have a huge impact on a person's diet requirements and the different ways that you can exercise and be active. We asked Dom, how did your health and lifestyle change in this regard? Yeah, so when it comes to diet and exercise with a spinal cord injury, it's, I think, when I was in rehab, I don't know that we did really enough on it. I, I think because everyone in there was quite thin and I was, you know, barely eating anything and I don't know why that was, but I just couldn't stomach even eating. I remember in, in rehab struggling to eat an apple one day for dinner, like just didn't eat anything. Um, but then when you leave rehab, I just gorged on everything, I think, and I thought it doesn't matter because I'm so thin anyway. And then you, you put on weight so quickly and it's... Um, really really hard to lose weight when you're in a wheelchair because in in rehab you're doing physio you know twice a day or whatever it might be uh, you go home you're not doing any physio and you're not doing anything like that you're just sitting in a wheelchair all day so it's really important in that initial stage when you leave rehab to not get out of control because you know you're not eating hospital food anymore and hospital food is just the worst but yeah don't 
gorge yourself like I did when you first get out of rehab because you'll put on weight really, really quickly. So, uh, and it's extremely difficult to lose. I've been trying to lose weight now. I sort of weighed myself the other day and I was at 115 kilos. So I started light and easy and it's very expensive. And I've been doing it for about a month now and I haven't weighed myself since. So um, hopefully I'm losing weight, but it's going to be such a long process because I just don't, I'm not active enough to lose uh, enough weight quickly. So it's really, really hard to do. So I wish I could go back and just tell myself to be really conscious about how much I'm eating and what I'm eating because it's, it's so important. Now we're going to hear from Dr. Epps. Hi, Dr. Epps. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Adrienne Epps. I'm a specialist in paediatric rehabilitation medicine, and I work with a team of health professionals uh, providing rehabilitation services for children and young people with spinal cord injury. I'm on the board of the Spine Care Foundation and it's my privilege to be involved in this project. Dr Epps, why is a healthy diet so important for someone with a spinal cord injury? So in spinal cord injury there is a high prevalence of obesity and this can have significant health risks over the longer term. The limited mobility that comes with spinal cord injury and the reduced physical activity as well as reduced lean muscle mass and reduced resting energy expenditure all contribute to that risk of obesity. So diet or nutritional management and exercise are really important. There needs to be a balance in um, what we eat, so the caloric intake relative to caloric or energy expenditure. And we know in spinal cord injury that there is reduced resting energy expenditure. Um, it's important that children have a diet that includes complex carbohydrates like whole grains, vegetables, fruit, uh, that sort of thing, uh, foods that contain fiber, and they're much better than simple sugar energy dense containing foods. Uh, protein is really important as well for growth, but also for wound healing. And avoiding too much fat is really important to avoid progressive increase in body fat. So there's a high risk of depositing adipose tissue or fat throughout the body. And we need to actively um, manage that risk. So in the diet, um, we would want to have less than to you know 30% total fat in the diet and um, less than 10% saturated fats. Um, vitamins and minerals are really important as well. Vitamin C and zinc are important for wound healing and vitamin D is really important for bone health. Uh, so really it's about making smart choices um, in terms of what you're going to eat um, and what you're going to drink as well uh, and also portion control. And uh, I think getting expert advice on this from a nutritionist is really important over the lifetime. Yeah, so growing up, I was extremely active. I used to surf every day. I played a lot of football and I played football at a fairly high level. And any time I wasn't playing football, I was surfing. So academically, I wasn't great. But um, when it came to sports and things, I was, yeah, I was well above average. So going from someone who would be, you know, at the gym every day after work, working out and going for swims, sitting in the sauna, uh, being really active 
to someone who couldn't open a door without assistance or feed themselves was really, really difficult. And I'll never be as fit as I once was. I was looking at a photo of myself the other day and I was looking and I had a bit of a six pack and I was thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great to be back in those days again? But, you know, even if I work out as hard as I can, I'm never, ever going to get back to those days. And that's still quite hard to deal with the idea that, yeah, I'll never be that fit ever again. Even if I get fit, I'll just be thin. I won't be fit. I think that's the hard thing with exercising is that you need the right equipment and you probably also need assistance. So exercising on your own can be quite difficult. I would just say, try not to put on too much weight in that early stage. Uh, when it comes to exercise, I really enjoy doing boxing. So uh, I find that that really gets my heart rate up. So that's about the only sort of thing that I do um, regularly. I do that once a week with my physio. We do a bit of a boxing session for half an hour, which is great. And it's funny, I remember when I had my accident, because I was quite sporty and athletic, I remember my brother saying to me, oh, you just have to find a sport and you can be like a Paralympian now, like it's that easy. Like, I think there is that stigma that once you have a, a spinal cord injury, we'll just go in the Paralympics because it's really easy. But that's just like saying to someone they can become an Olympian. It's not that easy. I don't think you realize that until you're in a wheelchair and you try to do some of these things and you're like, oh, that's really hard to do. So I think that's another realization that I came to was that I'm not a sporty person anymore. I enjoy watching sport, but doing sport is not really my big thing anymore. I guess in terms of therapy, painting and drawing give me a little bit of exercise and things like that and using the computer and even driving the car. Yeah, they're all sort of keep strength in my arms, just daily activities. Suggestions for exercise. Um, this is a really important topic in children with spinal cord injury and in fact, you know, everybody who has a spinal cord injury. Increasing physical activity in spinal cord injury can have lasting health benefits. Aerobic exercise and strengthening are really important. You can use resistance training, hand weights, arm cycle, functional electrical stimulation, cycling. If those are used regularly, they will increase the resting energy expenditure, increase muscle mass, increase bone mineral density and increase exercise tolerance. But the issue is really about finding activities that are enjoyable and accessible. And if you can find activities that you like doing and you can actually access them, get set up to do them, that will result in more consistent participation. So I would suggest talking to your therapist or healthcare team about the kind of activities that you can do and what, it, what sort of modifications might be needed to equipment and set up so that you can participate in that way. I guess the other thing is that connecting with other people, joining groups, which might be wheelchair sports for example, or participating in wheelchair skills training with other people, the peer support um, of being involved in a group can be a really powerful motivator for continuing. It's important to connect with others and consider joining groups that might include something like wheelchair sports or participating in wheelchair skills training with other peers because the peer support can be a really powerful motivator and help to continue being involved in that activity. The important message is to be physically active. Find ways of getting active. Dom talked about 
how he tried various things. He's found other ways of getting exercise and he described even just driving his car was good because he has to use his upper limbs and that's all activity and exercise. It's about not just sitting in your chair and doing nothing, being out there, being involved, doing things and thinking of ways that you can be physically active. Other aspects of lifestyle that someone with a spinal cord injury may be concerned about? Career and education. After experiencing an injury, your vision for your career may be blurred or blacked out completely. The job you were trained in or thought you'd always want to pursue may look different now, or you may need to explore how you can use your skills and passions in other ways. Likewise with education, finishing school or starting university may seem daunting, with unforeseen challenges now in your path. But as Dom says, it's important to be fluid and flexible. So I feel like when it comes to careers uh, and progressing with that aspect of your life, it's really important to be flexible and fluid uh, and not be set in your ways. So I was a diesel mechanic with the Air Force or training to be a diesel mechanic with the Air Force. And that was quite a, um, a, a physical job. And I, you know, a lot of work with my hands um, and even the Air Force lifestyle was really physical, carrying packs and machine guns and things like that. So. Uh, going from someone who was really set in that sort of lifestyle and loved being really physical and going to someone who could uh, you know, barely move their arms and going from a diesel mechanic to someone who could barely move their arms or use their hands anymore, that was really difficult. And at first I was thinking, how am I going to find a job or what am I going to do when I can't even hold a pen and write my name and it was, it's really difficult at the start there to, to try and identify what it was that I, I wanted to do. So I spent a lot of time sitting around, um, not really doing very much. And, and I realized that I, I liked painting and it was something that I really enjoyed. And I guess when I started to think about it, painting and being a mechanic, are sort of similar, it sounds weird, but they're both sort of creative things where you're working with your hands and, and creating things and making things. And I think that that similarity uh, was great and it was really sort of by chance that I found that similarity in the things that I like to do. And then because I liked painting, I, uh, I started to do more creative things like photography um, and just anything that I could try, I would, I would go and do. Drawing, I started to draw, which was really difficult, learning to hold the pencil between both of my hands and draw rather than drawing with a pen between my fingers because... It's just not normal and it, it took me a long time to learn how to do that and I can actually draw better now than I ever could with my hands so it's really strange but that was a long process and understanding that that was something I enjoyed I started to make uh, different things so I started a website called freewheeler.com.au which is based around travel and I would go to local hotels and things in Newcastle and I'd start taking photos of the rooms and uh, designing websites, which is quite a creative thing, and making websites around accessible travel. Um, and then I started volunteering at the Maritime Centre and giving guided tours of the Maritime Centre and just getting out and talking to people again. Um, and I did that two or three days a week. So I think volunteer work's extremely sort of undervalued and appreciated, even by the people who do it. I think it, it, it does a lot for you getting out of the house and talking to people and contributing to something. It's really good for your self-esteem. With an open mind, Dom was able to discover some new skills he didn't even know he had. 
Now he's in university and thinking about the future. So at this stage, when I finish university, um, at the end of the year, I'm tossing up between going on to do honours because I've done quite well at university. So I think my average is around 89, I think. Um, so that'll be good enough to get me into honours. So I'm, I may go on to do honours and in honours try and develop an idea I've had around accessible travel for a while. So I guess since I was uh, starting that website way back when, I just want to do it better. I, I know now how to make things more functional and uh, how to design things so that people will find them easy to use and attractive. So I want to use those skills to design an app and a website that makes travel for people with a disability more accessible and, and more easy. Uh, so that is one option to use the honours degree to sort of do that. Another one is to just try and do that on my own. So I've actually been working with the business centre in Newcastle to try and get this idea up and running. Um, it's only very early days, so it's sort of still doing feasibility and things like that. But uh, that's one option as well as just um, working for myself uh, with my little design company called Groundbird and just, um, yeah, getting work and, and doing I guess a few hours every week, which would be enough for me, just enough to keep me busy and, and just creating my own time, still doing art and um, making things for myself and getting out and doing photography. And uh, yeah, just keeping busy. So that's, I think my main goal is to keep setting goals. Yeah. Dr. Epps, what are the key barriers that young adults with a spinal cord injury may face when it comes to education and career? What should people keep in mind? So education and career are big topics in young people with spinal cord injury, particularly in that transitional period as you know, you're moving from school to further education or considering work options. There may be attitudinal barriers as well as physical barriers to getting back to school, work or doing work experience. Um, concerns about self-image, the reaction of peers can be daunting emotionally and can cause emotional barriers to be able to get back on you know, with education and career goals. Senior years at school can be a really difficult time for a young person with spinal cord injury and for the school to find the best ways to offer support for that young person. Um, in year 10, work experience is usually part of the um, curriculum and that's always a challenge. There are a number of non-ATAR courses that have practical work experience components that might be useful to consider. Um, the choice of suitable subjects in the high school certificate course is um, a challenge. Meeting the board of studies requirements, completing assignments and managing an increased school and education workload in the context of managing the healthcare needs on a daily basis requires a lot of planning and talking to the right support staff at school. Um, Self-advocacy is a really important skill to develop at this time because other people may not really understand. You will actually have to advocate for yourself and your needs over time. Technical colleges like TAFE and universities have disability support staff and coordinators. I would suggest meeting with them visit the campus, advocate for your needs and goals, get advice from a vocational rehab service like INVOC through the Spinal Cord Injury Services here in New South Wales, and look for scholarships that might be able to support the additional financial costs you might have to face 
The Educational Access Scheme is a help with getting into university entry um, into a course of your choice, always consider that. Remember always to look at access and the environment and figure out what supports might be available and needed for you to be able to attend those um, campuses. Remember, developing self-advocacy skills is really what you need to do at this time. We've learned that a spinal cord injury can have a huge impact on health and lifestyle. Someone who once didn't worry that much about his or her diet may have to start thinking about it a lot more. A person who once enjoyed swimming may need to find a new way of keeping active. Those who previously had a very defined idea of what the future held may need to be more open-minded about career and education. Thanks to the Spine Care Foundation, there are resources available to help with these things. For support around living a healthy lifestyle with a spinal cord injury, as well as how to find out more information about educational and vocational options, visit Northcott Spine Care Foundation website at www.northcott.com.au. We'd like to thank Dom and Dr. Epps for sharing their experiences and insights related to health and lifestyle with a spinal cord injury. Next time on In My Words, we'll be talking about another aspect of both health and lifestyle, mental health. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Interested in hearing something special or want us to help share your story? Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. The health information contained in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. In My Words is produced in New York City and distributed worldwide. In My Words, a Jumo production.